0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gavin Buckland for the final time this season of regular season footy, of course. As you, the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, and we will look back at the win over Wolves, and look ahead to the final game of the season and the big, the big game, of course. The all-important game with Manchester City. Um, but let's start on Wednesday night. The fans were back, Preno, the fans were back in. And the Blues were back in some sort of a groove, getting the victory uh, much needed. And, uh, you know, it was a, 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 an excellent sort of feel-good way to, uh, to finish the season. It was just completely and utterly
1: different to you know other games we've seen this season. And you can't underestimate the impact of the supporters that were in there. Um, I saw a stat yesterday, which I suppose you could argue is damning as well as you know sort of quite surprising. And that Everson ran four kilometres more than Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, on Wednesday. And actually, I forget the actual total figure, but it was like the highest number of kilometres they'd covered in a game uh, for a long time. And that's clearly you know, the impact of supporters, you know, so either A, encouraging them or B, getting on their case for, for not doing enough. And, you know, whilst that is, A, quite heartening to hear that, you know, the Everson supporters can have that much of an impact on the game, it also raises a little bit of a question mark about the character of the players, perhaps, and that they need that uh, to respond. But I don't want to be too harsh because it's been such a really strange season for all concerned. And, you know, it's football clubs... Are like this, like you know, so sort of living entity, aren't they? It's not just the players, it's not just the supporters, it's not just the stadium, it's all these elements all like so sort of brought in together. You know, football clubs are like one living, breathing thing which all interact, and you've all got to basically, you know, sort of perform together. So, you know, hopefully next season with supporters in there, fingers crossed, you know, so from the start, we'll see something a little bit more like the, uh, you know, the home performance we'd seen prior to this season. But it was a decent way to sign off, uh, you know, so Wolves, I don't know form has tailed off quite significantly uh, in recent weeks. But they were resolute, they were stubborn, they were set up to try and you know frustrate Everton, which they did for long enough. But Everson finally
0: got the breakthrough. And I think no one could argue deserved the victory. Mm. And obviously uh, another factor to consider when you're <clears throat> looking at sort of that we ran further than Wolves, of course we didn't have as much of the ball as Wolves um did we so that is yeah. that is also something to factor in. <laughs> And whether or not the fact that, as you know, early this afternoon, it was confirmed that Nuno Espirito Santo will be leaving Wolves. I wonder whether the players of Wolves had that in the back of their minds. I wonder if they knew as well. Um, but, Ad, um, you know, one one player in particular who, who seemed significantly uplifted by the return of fans was, of course, the match winner Richarlison. And, you know, Richarlison's a player who I would very, very reluctantly Say never, never tries. I know his body language sometimes can be negative, but you know, he, he he the the significant sort of upturn in his effort and output, if you like, on Wednesday to what we'd seen in a few re- few games, um, recently did make you wonder whether he is a player, perhaps more than some other players who've actually been really
2: affected by the fact that there haven't been any supporters in, in, in football rounds this season yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, he looked he looked load sharper to me right from right from the get go, to be honest. You know, he, you know, he's he's always tended to be that type of player, I think, who chases lost causes, sorts of things, up front. But over the last few weeks and months we haven't really seen that from him. Whereas I think in those, you know, opening stages against Wolves, he was chasing down those defenders, he was trying to press from the front and he was setting a bit of an example for those uh, behind him as well. He had a a fairly early opportunity, I think, as well with a header that he headed straight at John Ruddy And you know, over the last couple of weeks, you might have seen his his head drop a little bit and his shoulders go down a little bit after after a a, a situation like that. But he just didn't allow that to happen this time. It, he just seemed to be even more fired up. And then, you know, I, th- I think after he got the goal, the confidence was just absolutely flowing through him again. He had this one on the near touchline to us where he just like dummied it around the defender and just. Went round him, and it, it's been so long since we've seen Richarlison be confident enough even to do that, and you know take players on and carry the ball for twenty, thirty yards. And that's that's exactly what we that's exactly what we want to see from Richarlison. And it's something it's something that's been unfortunately missing from his game over the last few weeks. And I think that's probably why it, it seemed that his you know his effort levels had had uh, improved because I think you know on the ball particularly, I think his his effort levels did improve because he was actually he was actually taking players on he was getting a lot more successful uh, with that and you know it was it was easy to just see the you know the influence of the fans there the confidence that was flowing through him it was uh, it was much better to see from him so fingers crossed we'll be able to see that again on the weekend and then hopefully we'll be able to see it much more next season as well
0: Gav where do you stand on this sort of debate in terms of can can you allow you know, can you can you sympathise with, with, with the players, you know, having played almost an entire season without fans? And is that any mitigation for not
3: playing at a, at a level that, that many of them showed on Wednesday? Uh, yeah, said all season, it's an artificial feel to the season. It's very difficult to judge actually how good or bad people are, how good or bad managers are, how they performed this year because of the artificial nature. Um, you saw that on, you know, on Wednesday, wasn't it, with the um, you know, six stars spectator. There. It was just watching a different event, wasn't it? Never mind game, which is a completely different event. And Charleston, we, we spoke about that and I agree um that he um he's one who, who needs crowds around him. I think he can I, I think he should against Sheffield United is so effort dropped will probably be, you know, a uh you know, a reasonable viewpoint of his performance against Sheffield United and I, I don't think when there's a crowd there you can do that, that they were lighter, to. And I think he is somebody who buzzes off the crowd. Um, I think he possibly is. You know, we talked about his performances, and I'm just thinking as you looked over the season, does he act as a decent weather vane for Everton's performances? If he plays well, do we play well? Um, I, I was thinking about, he plays well at West Ham, didn't we? I thought he really put a shift in at West Ham when the team put a shift in. Put a shift in on Wednesday when the team put a shift in. When he doesn't perform or is not up for it for whatever reason, then perhaps, I don't know whether that effectively we don't perform either. Um, perhaps I've just got a very small sample size of two or three games there for that, uh, that theory. But um, yeah, he, 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 I think he's one who needs to crowd in. And he showed on, on Wednesday that he's still a hugely important performer. For us, I was just thinking, by the way, about that stats about kilometers run. I think most of them were after running after the a they? <laughs> my, 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 I, the the
2: well. <laughs> I genuinely
1: I thought, thought Michael Michael's hamstring was going to explode when he went yeah,
3: on that. Uh, yeah. The <laughs> yeah, if, if a, if a diameter probably wasn't on the pitch, he probably ran about 30 kilometers less. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the Charleston spot on, he's one definitely benefits from a, a car being a. There's one or two in the squad who probably benefit for the crowd not being there as we've discussed during the season. But yeah, it was good cool to see fans back, it made a big difference to me on mentally. Preno Gav makes
0: an interesting point about Richarlison there, and, you know, and and, and in, you know, positionally, but also sort of symbolically, is he the player that ultimately sets a lot of the tone for, for an Everton performance? Because you know, if, if he's up for it and he's pressing and he's in the defender's face from the word go. Will it not inspire the rest of them to follow suit and set and set to tempo i mean i, I mean you know we know how important he is but do we perhaps yeah. underestimate his importance you know off the ball and and, and maybe how he his sort of <clears throat> attitude sort of goes throughout the team i think it does i mean you need a player like that and you know football
1: teams now are very uh, subtle you know things you have uh, you know departments and you know ben godfrey does it all the time i mean some of the challenges that he was throwing in uh, you know, typically enthusiastic, typically robust, and they got the crowd inspired. Uh, but you need somebody in the top third of the pitch to be doing that as well. And I'm thinking, just as an example, you know, so across the park, I mean, uh, Jurgen Klopp always used to give great credit to Adam Lallana, who seems like a you know a strange individual to pick out, but he was always the guy that he identified as being his his pressing leader, if you like, the guy that actually led the press in the, in the final third. And that is clearly so important to what, you know, so Jürgen Klopp's well, trying to at
0: Liverpool pre- at pre- pre- we know why he's been singled out because he's, he's a boy who'd never you.
1: <laughs> well, that is course as well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, obviously we, we play, you know, a different style, you know, so to this, you know, uh, gig and pressing, which Colin Harvey invented way back in the day. But, uh, let's not go down that road again. Well, actually, John <laughs> Harvey invented. But Colin Harvey introduced this, uh, you know, so sort of, what to a successful team for the first time. Uh, but no, it's a different style of play that we, you know, that we use. But equally, you need players like that that show that energy and that enthusiasm, which becomes infectious and rubs off on players around them. And you know, it's got to happen. And Richarlison this season hasn't done it enough. You know, we have seen him sulking this season. We have seen him pousing and you know, going into a shell a little bit. And maybe it was the presence of a crowd that, you know, sort of inspired him. And he had a very, very good performance. And, you know, he covered an awful lot of ground in that game. And by the way, that was a proper centre-forwards header. That was a great finish. Wonderful delivery from Gilfrey Sigurdsson, but an absolute classic centre-forward header down the street end, you know, in front of a crowd. You know, all the elements were there. So, yeah, you know, I think you're right. You know, he does... You know, make things different here when he performs. Everton do perform, so despite some of the eyebrows that have been raised about him this season, he's still very, very important. You know, sort of things Everton may want to achieve
0: in the future. Well, look, and we will next, next sort of next week when when things settles down, we will go through our player of the season and all that sort of thing and moments of the season. But for, for me, I, you know, thinking out loud now, the two moments of the season, Richarlison has delivered them both opening goal at Anfield and then Wednesday night because of the, the picture that was created when he was celebrating with the Gladys Street. Just for me, that was, you know, and, and yeah, I think, I think understandably a lot of people have, have questioned Richarlison this season and I think, you know, the criticism to a degree has certainly been fair but for me, he's, he is the most important player in the team and, and, and continues to be. So, um, yeah. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Add just another one on 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 what went on on Wednesday before the game. Carlo was um, in his program notes, so it said, "This is an opportunity to go into the summer with a really good memory of Goodison, looking to next season that can be vital. The supporters and players can come together to create an experience we can use to start building belief for next season." Can you uh, can you promise the Royal Blue podcast listeners that it will be better at Goodison <laughs> next season? <laughs>
2: Well, it's got to be, hasn't it? Like you can't get, can't get much worse. It's only been worse once, once one other time in the club's history or something like that, isn't it? You know, it's been, it's been a, it's been quite shocking, uh, the former home. But I think what Carlo Ancelotti's saying there about the supporters being back absolutely is crucial, isn't it? He's still unbeaten as a manager at Goodison Park with fans there. You, you forget that. There you Which go, is... ladies and gents.
0: That's the yeah. Stat
2: of the week: you've outstated Gav. Not our no,
3: these Not our <laughs> these days. Feel, to be honest with you. So
2: don't worry about it. But yeah, like, I, I think that was that was something that sprung out to me at the weekend. You know, Everton still are performing when, when there are fans there. You know, it is obviously a very crucial crucial aspect of <laughs> Goodison Park to have the supporters there. I don't think it should have been as detrimental to not have supporters there as it ended up Agreed. being. Of course, yeah. but you know, you know that that's that's by the by now, and hopefully we've got that firmly behind us. We won't have to have any any sort of games behind closed doors in the future, fingers crossed. Uh, but, you know, any sort of fans that can create, that can generate that sort of atmosphere, you know, it was still only 6,500 fans at Goodison, but it felt more, it did feel more like, you know, 20,000, something like that, you know, the, the kind of noise that they were creating, you know, when Michael Keane was putting in that tackle or, you know, Richarlison was scoring his goal, you know, those... Those kind of roars from the crowd just felt like Goodison back in the good. Like I, I, I think I probably forgot what a full Goodison Park sounds like to be honest. Because like that, yeah. that felt like a full Goodison Park. It did. It
0: did. So, it really did. Yeah. yeah.
2: It, it's gonna, it's gonna feel absolutely bizarre when you know, fingers crossed. As I say again, next season we'll be able to have a full Goodison Park back. And I think you know, Carlo Ancelotti's quite right, right in what he's saying. You know, as, as soon as Everton can build up that home form again, I think it's just about you know not losing. Obviously, Everton were a you know a significant advantage, not away from home, not having to play in front of uh, away fans. Hopefully, they can keep some semblance of that away form. You know, it was starting to improve under Carlo Ancelotti even before mm. even before these games behind closed doors. So hopefully, that trend can continue as well. And you know, it's all about striking the right balance between home and away. I think that's the main thing that Everton have been missing throughout this season, isn't it? So. Yeah, I think Carlo Ancelotti is absolutely right, and yeah, I don't, I don't think it can possibly get any worse than it did this season. Next season, Gav, so just just think, just carrying that theme on, based on the
0: on the <laughs> assumption, rather dangerous assumption, that our home yeah. form will improve next season with supporters, and, and Goodison will become more of how we yeah. know it, and and a, and a difficult place for oppositions to play, and so that we will pick up more points at home, significantly more points, hopefully. Have the performances and the the extent of the away form, because it hasn't just been a flash in the pan, we haven't just gone to Anfield and won and not done very well everywhere else. We've beaten Leicester, we've beaten Spurs, we've got a good point at United. We've won 11 games away from home. Does that give you confidence that actually, as much as those home teams that we faced when we went on the road could legitimately say there's some mitigation that they didn't have supporters? Because in fact, the fact that we've done it so well throughout the season give you confidence that We've got the basis of a team that can play away from home, regardless of fans or not. And actually you combine that with what we hope is improving home form and you put the two things together and you've got, you know,
3: something better than this season, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well I think there's there's two two things there, Phil. Away from home is I don't if you win eleven away games next season, I'd be surprised. Very yeah. surprised. I do think you know there's been more away wins than home wins at the Premier League this season, but we're not, you know, and, and we've had some good away wins, but I don't think, if, if we have done our, you know, you can remind me of this conversation this time next year, uh, but we've still got enough in our locker to get a, a, a number, the way we set up away from home to, to 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 get more away points than what we would normally get, I think that's the first thing, but I don't think our home form is just down to, there are no crowds there, therefore we have been artificial, I know I've said that, um, you know, that it's an artificial thing. Um I think that contributes towards it. I think out of the way, our home form has also been the fact that we just set up wrong, haven't we? We haven't got yes. the place to, to really hit people at home and, and press and dominate games and pass the ball for you know, have sixty, seventy percent possession. Um which brings I thought, us to I some I I thought possession stats only went to about forty
0: three percent. I've never seen us get any. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: That's right for us. Yeah, we have like a, we have like a rule, don't we, at the forty three percent mark. You can't get any further that. But you know, we need to be more expansive at home. That's been just as much a, a key contribution, and that will be hopefully rectified in the summer. Um, so I don't think it's a case of oh well, you know, this season carry on like we were next year with a few fans, there, a bit of passion, we'll we'll turn around. No, we won't we need to be far more expansive and dominating at home, um, which hopefully, as I say, with three or four players of the right type. Carlo indicated today, didn't he? type of player he's looking for. Um, And uh, I think, you know, that 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 will help. And once you add them to... Hopefully, we'll win... And what I'm effectively saying is we'll we'll win more away games next season than this year by a bigger margin. That will win fewer away matches. You know, we'll win more home matches more home matches next year by a bigger gap than what we drop in away matches which will give us more wins Work that yeah. one out anyway uh, <laughs> yeah but, but uh, you know what I'm saying there it's, it's a combination of two or three things yeah absolutely and uh, we, we need to work hard work hard at home and it will be uh, it be incessant to see card made the match you No, know, I thought uh, just to go off on one tangent, the big difference with the card being there on on Wednesday when we scored like, you got a buzz. The players obviously got a buzz afterwards, didn't he? The energy levels went up and confidence levels went up immediately and Wolves went down. Where You've not seen that with no crowd. You've not seen that mm. effect visibly. And that visibly changed on Wednesday for me. Mm. Uh, and that, that's something that hopefully, you know, even more so went with, with bigger crowds. And that, 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 that really was the big difference for me in terms of having a the crowd there on Wednesday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, Preno, it's quite remarkable to think that Everton signed a almost once-in-a-generational talent this summer, a global superstar who, when fit, had, had lit up the team, been, you know, shown some amazing performances, and no Evertonian has seen him in the flesh. <laughs> James Rodriguez missing on Wednesday, missing again on Sunday. Um it is quite staggering, really, that you know he's halfway through his contract and and the fans have yet to see him play in the flesh. Yeah, I actually felt for uh, some of the supporters that I saw on social
1: media early on Wednesday that were very excited about the possibility or the prospect of actually seeing you know James Rodriguez in the flesh, and I think he would have relished and you know sort of loved the experience as well. Um, just you know the knowledge that you know he is so appreciated and so you know admired. And I know there are some cynics out there that think that, no, he's, he hasn't got the club at heart, he's only going through the motions. I, I don't you know, follow that train of thinking, to be honest, and Carlo Ancelotti clearly doesn't see that he was quite robust in his press comments at lunchtime, where it was suggested that, you know, James was putting his country before his club, you know, preserving his fitness for the Copa America rather than, you know, so playing for his club. That's not the case. I mean, I think he's as frustrated as we are frustrated in the uh, the limitations put on his appearances this season. But look at the positives. Look at the number of goals he's scored, big goals, quality goals. And look at the difference he's made, you know, in matches when he has played uh, the equaliser at Old Trafford. The, probably the best moment of our season, you know, creating the opening goal at Anfield for Richarlison. When he plays and when he features, he's a massive influence And, you know, Carlo's already looking forward to next season. I mean, that worries me a little bit that he's going to an international tournament. And, you know, is he going to come back, you know, uh, with his fitness enhanced or damaged even more? We don't know, to be perfectly honest. But you can't hide away from the fact that he's a top quality performer. And, you know, we we should relish the fact that we've got him at Everton Football Club rather than being down on him and being frustrated that we haven't seen more of him. Of course, it's frustrating. Of course, it's, you know, so irritating. But... I'm thinking, you know, of the past. Okay, history lesson, there we go again. But, you know, there have been players in the past (laughs) uh, with questionable injury records that have become absolute, you know, superstars. I'm thinking of Peter Reid and thinking of Andy Gray. Uh, You know, still Duncan Ferguson, when he came back second time, you know, was uh, hardly featured for Newcastle and still managed to produce enough cameos to become like an, an Everton legend, you know, in his second spell. So it can happen. You just have faith, really. I mean... What' the old you know, saying about a uh, former's temporary class is permanent? He's a class act, and you know, if we can get him playing a little bit more regularly next season, happy days. Yes, we're frustrated, but come on, let, let's not criticize the lad for you know,
0: sort of being injured. You know, that can happen to anybody. Uh, joining us on the line, the Royal Blue Podcast. Richard Keys, welcome, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> just just in yeah. the interest of balance, just want to get Richard's views on uh, <laughs> No. Um... <laughs> the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Obviously, it is frustrating. I think I think Sunday will be, I think it will be the 13th, I think if, if stats are correct, 13th Premier League game that Hammers have missed with injury. Um, mm. Carlo recently spoke about the, the club have got a plan, they're going to give him a big vacation, as he puts it, and they've got a plan to ensure that he stays fitter for longer next season. Are you confident that that can happen? And. And where do you stand on, on the Hammers kind of debate? Because obviously, understandably, when the news broke on Wednesday, after, Wednesday evening that he was missing because he was tired, in inverted commas, that doesn't sit well with any supporter, does it?
2: No, and I, I could understand the frustration of supporters, to be honest. I think especially the fact that he wasn't there for the lack of appreciation at the end. Like He could have surely turned off for Goodison for that, couldn't he? You know, just to have... You know, show show the fans a little bit of appreciation. You know, those fans who've waited all season essentially to to see him in the flesh. You know, I think I think a lot of them would have been placated by the fact that you know if they did, if they didn't get to see him play, at least they could have seen him. You know, walk around the pitch and be able to give him a round of applause or something like that. So you know, I did I did understand a lot of those supporters' frustrations in the in that sort of sense. Uh, and in terms of giving him a rest uh, ahead of next season, it it really depends on. Copper America, doesn't it? It depends on how much how much football he's going to play there. How far Colombia are going to go in the Copper America? Even it's it, it, it's a really it's a really strange one, isn't it? Because you know, obviously, a, a few weeks ago we were talking about giving James Rodriguez a bit of an extended rest so that he could be fifth for these last few games of the season, and you know we we've seen now how much that was you know completely pointless. Really, it, it just didn't 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 work at all because that calf injury. Is um, you know as Carlo Ancelotti's confirmed today that calf injury is still still playing away at him. So you know you just you just wonder. You know I'm not sure when the Copper America starts, Is it like June 13th or 16th? Yeah, middle of, middle of next month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know even even if he does get rested up until that point, well he's going to be in training up, and, up until those games as well, isn't he? You know, is he going to have, be able to have enough rest? Because Colombia, let's be honest, they're, they're still going to rely heavily on James Rodriguez, aren't they? If they want to, if, if they want to go far in that tournament, essentially they need James Rodriguez to be playing almost every minute and playing really well for them. Mm. So they're going to do everything that they can to try and get him on the pitch as much as possible, which is the, I would say, the exact opposite of what Everton really needs him to be doing this summer. You know, we do kind of just need him to have a, have as much rest as possible. So, yeah, it's going to be a really weird sort of balancing act, I think. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, when he comes back from the Copper America, whenever that might be. And, you know, Everton are going to be in their, in their pre-season matches. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how much game time he gets in those games because it, it could just be the case that after playing, playing all summer in, a, in an international tournament, he's going to need a rest again. So he might not he might not actually get minutes until, like, the first games of the Premier League season and we kind of find ourselves... In a similar boast as we were at the start of last season, so yeah, it's a, it, it is a it is a really weird and frustrating situation. So I can understand uh, the way the fans are feeling. So it it's it's just going to be really interesting to see to see what happens in the Copper America because I just I just don't see how <laughs> at the minute how it's going to particularly work out well for Everton to be honest.
0: Well, hopefully, and sorry to any Colombians listening, Colombia bomb and he comes home <laughs> and he's back in Formby by uh, by July. <laughs> um, Gav I mean very difficult very, 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 very difficult very difficult question yeah but just look we, when he's in the team and he's fit he can be sensational and, and of course he, he has to play but yeah. given the injury record given what he will go through in the summer given that he's going to need a rest given as Adam quite rightly suggests he may not turn up or may not be told to turn back up at Finch Farm until the week of the season how t- does Carlo Ancelotti plan for next season or certainly the early part of next season for him to be in that 11 or does he just plan for him to be available and in a squad and, and available
3: for selection or does that Election, depend on
0: recruitment? Yeah. Yeah. Does it depend on recruitment? Again,
3: yeah, the uh, wages of whatever that is a week just to sit on the bench when fit. it's an incessant one. I mean, I, I think, I'll answer your question in a minute Though I think the other question to Hamez is isn't it an option for a third year with him Yes. It's an interesting that's an interesting question in itself, isn't it? Mm. Um because if you've won him for next year, if you don't you run the risk then of losing them on a free at the end of two years. Well I know I know real Madrid have got some I'm really say, if you ever sold Hamas for a I've having realm zid take a cut of the fee out as well. I'm um, sure, they do. Yeah, yeah. I think. I think if I, I remember seeing that. So there's an incessant debate around not just next year, but the year after, isn't it? Um, and would Hamers won three years ago? Doesn't. Not so sure. Uh, so there's there's that. that comes into it for me. Going back to the question though, it was incessant. Carlo's um, press conference today. He said he was. He wanted, <laughs> I thought wingers with this CV. Well, it was a winger who scores lots of goals, who tracks back and depends and stuff. And it's a, there's yeah, not many of them around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, he there, said there was a few, didn't it? But, you know, and my immediate thought then is, well, if we, get, if we get, if we are lucky enough to, and I really hope because that's what we need, somebody like that, where do you then play Hammers? That, <laughs> yeah, and hopefully, Yeah, yeah. Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are still here, which hopefully they are. Both vital players for us. Well, I'll tell you where you thinking... play Hammers,
0: Gav. I know you play Hammers at home against teams who we've lost to this
3: season. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not the worst idea going that, to honestly, to bring a bit of that ingenuity and stuff that we've been missing at home. Um, but it, it's an interesting question because I was, that was my immediate thought. Well, hang on a minute. Where, where does that leave Hammers then next season if that's what we, we are? That sounds Sounded like a priority uh, transfer for us. The Regarding is generally, I, I can only echo what's being said, you know. When he plays is the, is the, is the thing, isn't it? when he plays. Though he's played in 25 games or 26. I think his minutes only work out. His only work out nine 90-minute equivalents, only half the games. He's only been on the pitch half this season, hasn't he? I think when you average the minutes out per game. And also as well, you know, how how often he's been truly fit in that. Then we talk about his assists. I th- I might be wrong here, but is his only assist in open play, the one at Anfield, I think? In, in, so, I think he's been very good from
0: set-pieces, hasn't he? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah he's been, but his only assist from open play, I, I may be wrong, it was, it was at Anfield, but it it's been a couple. So, are those stats look okay? Well, actually, needs a little bit more from you. You know, and and this business ends of the season, he's been missing. We I mean, were all banking on him being fifth the last ten games, were And he's been absent, you know, for some massive games for us. So you're looking at Danny saying, Well, I'm trying to give a balance you here. And and this goes back to what Adam was talking about supporters. You can understand throwing that all into the mix why there's been a lot of frustration with supporters this week. I totally agree with that. I mean, not helped by Carlo. I mean, I don't know whether fatigue was the right phrase to use in the circumstances. I know what Carlo's saying, but fatigue is not necessarily the word you would use, uh, you know. Um, perhaps to try and you know placate fans. Um, but for me, that Rodriguez position is a little bit more than just yeah, he's a, yeah, we know he's a top class player and he's World Cup golden boot. It's a little bit more complex than that. You would like to see him on a pitch. We've got to, we've got to see that the, the overall picture. And that, to me, is a bit more greyer than perhaps yeah. just saying, yeah, he's a top-class player, keep him. Um, yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what happens in the summer and what messages we, we give out with our recruitment, what his future is at Goddard. Mm.
0: I think uh, just in terms of balance, as always, on the pod and, and, and maybe a little bit of <clears throat> uh, perspective with James. So, 24 starts in all comps this season and he's, and he's played over 2,000 minutes. The previous season, he only made six starts 728 minutes of football so you can see the jump so he's played significantly more football this season than he did last the previous season he played fewer minutes than he has this um and you only you have to go back to 17 18 for him to play have played uh only slightly more and you really you're going back to his sort of to that peak period of 14 15 15 16, yeah, yeah. 16 17 where he was he was injury free so i think I think if you try to sort of look on a on a a positive and hopeful note, you'll say, "Well, he's come. He's come almost come from cold from last season at Madrid and played played 26 times for us this season. So, you know, there is there is hope that he can go and play 35, 40 games next season."
3: Yeah, yeah, and I think Adam said early on this week, "Is this most minutes since 14, 15? Is it most minutes in this season for six years?" Yeah, and I get all that, that. and And we knew all this when. Yeah, yeah, we 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 knew that when we bought him. You know, we knew that we bought him, but at the same time, at the business end of the season, I think we'd set everything up for him to be on the pitch, and he hasn't been on the pitch. And and I, and I still will question whether his overall performances on the pitch, okay, there's been quality stuff that no other Everton player is probably capable of using. Looked at overall in terms of affecting the season, is it as great as what people think? Um, you know, but. Ideally, fit and fad and Rodriguez, he's one in the team, wouldn't he? <laughs> he'd be one of the first. He'd be the fit, fit, fit and fart and Rodriguez would be the first name in the team, wouldn't he? By a country mile. Problem is, is when he is fit, going back to where I started that. You know?
0: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So, Hammers will not be on the team sheet on Sunday at the Etihad. Um, can we still, nevertheless, go to City and get a win, a point? We'll talk about the permutations. Can, can we still go and get what we need uh, without Hammers? Um, I'm not so sure Hammers would be an ideal person
1: to be in a starting lineup for a game like that. If we are going to get a result, I think the only way we're going to do it is the same, you know, way like the, a photo fit of the performances that we put in some of our other, you know, more impressive way, you know, dis- displays this season, which is basically accepting that we're going to have very little in the way of uh, possession, which you never do at Manchester City anyway. Um, defending resolutely, defending deep, and uh, using set pieces and using, you know, sort of counter attacks as effectively as we can. But City are exceptional. They are such a good side. They're such a great squad. Um, And the suggestion is that, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola is going to play something quite close to his Champions League starting 11 to sharpen them up, you know, for the, uh, you know, so, you know, because it's a full week then before they play the Champions League final. So plenty of time to recover. So it's it's going to be tough. You know, I'm not going to say never, um, but it's not a game that you can look to with any kind of confidence. But, you know, strange things can happen in football matches, as we saw the other night against Brighton, you know, who were a goal down in a couple of minutes against Manchester City and absolutely, you know, ready for an absolute spanking. And then, you know, player gets sent off and suddenly, you know, it's a completely different game. And let's face it, VAR and referees generally have been utterly abysmal for the last month or so. Appalling, uh, you know, madly on Wednesday night was, was dodgy at Everton, but, you know, fortunately didn't do anything that actually cost us the game. But some of the decisions elsewhere were just absolutely wretched, so you never know, maybe something might happen on Sunday where you know a decision goes in our favour and it can just turn it on its head. Uh, a point probably won't be enough. I was looking at the permutations and thinking, well, OK, Spurs will probably lose against Leicester uh, the way both teams are performing. And a point would be enough then. I think, well, actually, no, it won't because Leeds and Arsenal can catch us and they've both got very winnable games as well. So we probably do need to go and win. And let's face it, you know, you know, as realistic and as you know, optimistic and as upbeat as we can be. I don't think any of us, when we're doing our predictions later, is going to predict a win. But maybe you'll prove me wrong. We'll
0: see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, you know, apparently makes a good point about Spurs. You know, the, the whole Harry Kane saga, and they seem to be, you know, hopefully, you know, coming off the rails at just the right time for us. Um, will we get favours elsewhere? Of course, look. The permutations include sixth is not off the table, but would require a huge goal, different swing. West Ham to lose, Spurs to drop points. Seventh is doable, but of course we are reliant on Arsenal leads, etc. Not uh, scuppering those hopes. How how do you see it ultimately playing out? This what half
2: six, quarter past six on uh, Sunday evening. But <laughs> with, the, with the way this season's going, I just I just can't see a situation in which Everton qualify for Europe. To be honest, because at, at every point this season that we've needed to win or you know we've needed other teams to help us out or whatever it just doesn't seem to go <laughs> doesn't seem to go in our favor uh you know you look at even like the last away game against Aston Villa you know that was such a such a major opportunity that was missed wasn't it so you know it's it's, it's stuff like that that i think just just play back in my head and you know the fact that Everton have got to go to man city and as we've as we've said have effectively got to to beat the champions who are more than likely gonna play their best team. Even if they didn't play their best team, you know, the players that they've got in reserve are absolutely ridiculous as well. So you know, it'd be hard for Everton to even to even get a win in that situation. It's been it's been a good long while since we've got a win against Man City as well, isn't it? You know, we we did have a good record against them for a little a little time, but it's been how many? How many years now? It must be like seven years.
3: <clears throat> Gav is the last win at the Etihad, twenty ten. Twenty ten, Kaelan, and Baines won it. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> freezing, freezing cold night, wasn't it? Just before Christmas. Wow. So <laughs> eleven years since
2: we last went to Man City and won, and you know it's going to be, their it's going to be their first game uh, in front of their fans, isn't it? For a for a good long while, it's going to be a party atmosphere. Uh, at the Ser, they're going to be lifting the trophy at the end of the at the end of the game. It's going to be Sergio Aguero's like final farewell. Apparently, he's going to have a late fitness test tomorrow. I was going to say, he it, sounds half fit, so he should start him. <laughs> even even if he did, he's probably still going to score at a trick isn't he? Just yeah. the just the way these narratives kind of go. So,
3: yeah, there's,
2: I, I just think there's there's a lot there's a lot riding against Everton uh, this weekend, and but the, the biggest thing is. Everton do have to go to Man City and win. And I think that's, you know, as good as Everton's away form has been this season, I just think that's going to be a bit of a step too far, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
0: But Gavi's been a season of first win at Anfield in however long, wins yeah. at Spurs for the first time in a long time. Why not add City to the list?
3: Yes, things are things that happen That As you say, sadly, it's out of our control to a degree, so really isn't it? Uh, both in terms of seventh and where we end up if, if you get beat. I mean Leeds and Arsenal are uh, playing well at the moment, aren't they? I mean that they argue that after after Manchester City and possibly Liverpool. Leeds are probably the best team in the country at the moment, aren't they? Um, you know in terms of way they're playing. So in mind, there's a couple of things about Sunday. Uh, first of all, play Man City away the final day. No carries some mixed memories for you, doesn't Obviously, personally speaking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I
1: just so, then, talking, it... rather rather talking about that. It's, it's tomorrow is a very significant day here for Evertonians. It would have been Howard Kendall's seventy fifth birthday, um, and obviously he's a man who's managed both Everton and Manchester City. And yeah, the occasion you're talking about was a, an incredible day. Um, I think it's the only time in Premier League history uh, where four goalkeepers have been used. Uh, both teams made substitutions at half time. Neville yeah. Southall, they're very angry to get taken off uh, and brought on. Was it Paul Gerrard or Jason Keane? I can't remember who came on for him. Uh, Martin Margotson and Andy Dibble for Manchester City. Well, Howard uh, was on the dugout when uh, the Manchester City supporters who were very angry. Where they were throwing eggs at Peter Swales, who was uh, the uh, the very unpopular city chairman at the time, and Howard took one on the back of his suit <laughs> that day. But the positivity is that we won the game five two. That's not gonna happen yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah,
3: it was the, sorry, that wasn't even the game I was talking about, by the way. But no, that, was, that was the first
1: ga- no, no, that was the
3: first game I won that five. Yeah, yeah. Just just to go off on a tangent, apologies for being bore. That that city game that was ninety-three. That was the first game ever in the history of the football to feature four goalkeepers, two on each side. I just ever. said that. In the history of the game, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> yeah, said yeah. Premier League history. I'm just I'm expanding. Oh right, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm expanding was the first never mind Premier League history's first game anywhere. But mm. the other game we saw about was the five one in two thousand and four. Which yeah. is the last day, which you know you got, you got, you got yourself into a little bit of bother, uh, <laughs> or <laughs> nah, you honestly, over some. Yeah, yeah. My, my my comment piece
1: was, shall we say, robust, and the other players didn't respond well to it. <laughs> And uh, as a result, we were banned for a long time from talking to them. But it was, it was I mean, that, that's a more likelihood of a result. Got beat 5-1 that day. <laughs> that's yeah, probably yeah. more likely than us going there and winning 5-2 this weekend. Did some players have yeah, the flip flops but... on pre That was exactly yeah. the
0: phrase. Yeah, used. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it might have been that one. But, I
3: mean, <laughs> going, going, back to, going back to Sunday though, it's a it's completely different game Sunday compared to the one in 2004, isn't it? When you see City's, City's firepower. Um, but, been a strange season, of twists and turns, hasn't, hasn't it? Uh, City still got the Champions League the week after, um, and we're in the game, aren't we? We're in the game. You don't, you don't, you just don't know what's going to happen. And we have shown ourselves, and Carlo using all his experience of being able to shut up shop against some of the better teams in the Premier League at home. I know City will give you different challenges, so uh, a yeah, result is not beyond us. But the problem is, it's a draw. Even with the draw, I think Arsenal can still overtake us, can't they? Um, and the Spurs get something. We can get a we can get a draw at City and still drop down the down the table, which you think would be yeah. quite uh, quite sad. So it was really a win, which you just don't know, do you? You don't. You just don't know. What, um, but I, I, what I would what I would say is, though, finally on this one, you said all season, what you you taken at the start of the season, going into the final game of the campaign, at least fighting for something to get into Europe. I think it yeah. probably was, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But, but absolutely. But all the problems we've had, and 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 quite un- the and we got, quite rightly after the Sheffield United debacle. All things considered, we probably would have taken this this time last year, especially at the end the way we ended the previous campaign. So you know we're still we're still in with the shells, and we probably would have wanted to be in this position anyways. better. As- as as a realistic uh, assessment of where we are as a as a club, indeed.
0: Okay, then very quickly we will do customary predictions. Time for the final time this season. Uh, Adam, we'll start with you. Uh, Manchester City versus Everton Sunday. At the had four o'clock, not four thirty, as many of us thought previously. This, the kickoff time has changed. In case anybody wonders, it's four <laughs> o'clock on Sunday. It was initially down as four thirty.
2: It's four o'clock. Prediction ad. <sighs> I'm gonna to have to finish off the season predicting a defeat. I can't I can't I just can't see any any way around it. Like I think we'll we'll valiantly we'll valiantly fight for a lot of the game and be defensive as possible, but I think we're gonna get beat three one. We'll score. But yeah, I've I've not got much hope of getting a result if I'm honest.
3: Okay, fair enough. Um off, do you next, mate. Uh well first of all I know we're weird on our new away, Kiss, aren't we on uh on Sunday? Uh, thus missing another opportunity to play my favourite or blue um, so that, that's that been noted already kit manufacturers <laughs> <laughs> it's most upsetting most upsetting to me that personally so we're off on a downer already when it comes to the score uh, I can't see us winning but I'm, I'm going to go for a really hard when we first went to City was it Guardiola's first year when non-scored 1-0 wasn't it we thought think he saved two was it uh, saved two penalties saved yeah. two penalties I mean, expe- I remember we were talking before the game. Phil, we expecting a shellacking in that game, with all their, you know, with all their, um, you know, great forwards and stuff. I and mean, we we come away with a one-all draw. So I'm hiding behind the couch and saying one-all draw. Whether that's enough to get a Europe yeah. is elsewhere. But I'm I'm going with the one-all draw. Uh, I suspect that might be highly ambitious, uh, but I'm I'm going to go with a go with that because who knows? Indeed. <laughs>
0: Indeed, Prenner. Who does know? What, uh, what's your prediction?
1: Just looking at Man City's home record uh, while you've been talking there. And over the last couple of months, they've lost their home to Leeds 2-1. They've lost their home to Chelsea 2-1. Uh, they've narrowly beaten Tottenham 1-0. You know, so there, there, there is precedent there for teams to go and shock them. But, you know, let's be realistic about this. City are exceptional And, uh, yeah, I can see, you know, a really solid, bold, robust, resilient performance from Everson, but we're still nowhere near good enough to get a result there. Uh, That new strip you're talking about, um, when Everson, you know, history lesson time again, when Everson first wore that kit as the Black Watch back in 1881, it sparked uh, a real lucky streak for them. They won their first five games wearing that kit. Again, again, it's not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. So... I'm going to go for you know sort of a hard-working but ultimately disappointing 2-0 defeat, uh, similar to the Chelsea game earlier this season, where they're just, there are levels and Manchester City is on a different level to us, no matter how robust and how resilient we're going to be. I, I can't see us getting anything, to be honest. I mean, the big frustration is Sheffield United. If we'd have won that game, as we should have done, yeah. things would have been different on the final day, but
0: we didn't. That's what let us down, not whatever happens on Sunday. Yeah. Absolutely. I blindly refuse to finish the pod for the season on a negative (laughs) note. We will get a point. We will get a point. Leicester will turn over Spurs and Arsenal and Leeds will not do enough to overtake us. We will finish seventh and we'll be on the plane to the Conference League.
3: (laughs) Let's go to Azerbaijan. I was going to say, uh, isn't that that a mixed blessing for you two guys uh, going to, with all due respect, places that I've never heard of or even, you know, just weird weird on the the map, you know we to, to Madrid. Yeah. Want to go to yeah,
2: Madrid or anything yeah. like that. It's every and me, and yeah. yeah, everybody's exactly. done the stadium. Yeah.
0: Everybody's done the stadium tour at the Bernabéu. We don't need to. We don't need to go the back, do we?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the podcast before them games as well. When you're expecting, you know, the usual insights about the opposition and their strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> um, that well, that, that will be fun,
0: but we might have to recruit some new staff for that then. But uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: well.
3: Yeah, I'll be giving that. a swear, but you know, the, but now, now I think, yeah. Oh, I just thinking that the, the, I reckon we'll win because three years that we won. On this, I'm, I'm, this is like slightly left field. The, I reckon we went on Sunday because the three years we won twelve away games. We've ended up playing in a game where the team won twelve away games. We ended up playing in the game where the where the team has won lifted the title. Sixty nine mm-hmm. seventy, we won the title, lifted the lifted it. The, 84-85, we got 12 wins, lifted the title. Win on, win on, uh, win on Sunday and City, can lift list the title. These things happen in threes. So there you go. That's my theory. Wow, Straw clutching. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. <laughs>
0: right, we, we will leave it there, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. Of course, we'll be back next week and we'll be carrying on with pods throughout the summer. Of course, hopefully an interesting and eventful summer with plenty of signings and no injuries in the Copa America. And thank you very much uh, for listening. Uh, This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.